mā, no mai hoki mai ki te huia come home podcast. Uh, it's been a while. Um, today uh, I am sitting down with my hoa rangatira, te nākui e takitau. Aloha. <laughs> oh, she's getting all Hawaiian on us. That's what is that where you grew up or something? Oh, yeah. Um, so Erin and I are sitting down here and we thought today we would do have a, just a, a little chat on two books we've both read. A little book review. What's your book? My book's called The Land. The Land. <laughs> we have this show in America called Reading Rainbow where, where the guy reviews books for kids. I feel like oh, we're doing our own really? reading rainbow. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so these are two books by Walter Brueggemann. Um, obviously one's called The Land mm-hmm. and the one that I've read is a book called Chosen? Question mark. Yeah. But we'll get back onto that um, soon. I think question mark is important. <laughs> yeah. So I- anyway, Erin, um, why don't you tell us a little bit about the land? Tell us about the book you've just read. Well, you know, I think when people usually do book reviews, they 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 choose the latest books out there. I've chosen a book <laughs> written um, by Walter Brueggemann. He wrote it in 1977. Um, the year 1977. I, the year I was born. Oh. So I'm not sure. I'm not sure how nice this is. Because people aren't going to be able to find this book very easily. Um, I am going to. Where did you find it? Well, I, I think I'm at, I I did some digging around. I found it. I did. You can find it online. You can't find it brand new. You have to find it from used bookshops, and um, you have to look. You have to look. But those who look shall find. Was it? On, the land. That wasn't on trade me, eh? No, I didn't get no. it here in New Zealand. I think oh, I got it from. Sorry. Oh, no, I didn't get it from. Did uh, maybe <laughs> maybe Abe's books or. Oh okay. Oh, Abe. Abe's, abebook.com, isn't it? Yeah, yeah it was one okay. like that, because Book Depository doesn't do used books, and this is definitely okay. a used one. But man, I tell you what, it is worth getting your paws on this book if you can. Okay. Um, Walter Brueggemann, if you're listening, if you could um, put it... <laughs> Walter Brueggemann, if you're listening, you are awesome. <laughs> I, I don't I, think that's going to happen. No, he not might. He uh, might. Uh, uh, yeah, man, what a book. Seriously, what a book. Yeah, rawa. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. So uh, the the first book I read of his was um, Prophetic Imagination. Yes. Read that, man, a while ago now, ages ago. But that book was the book that really helped me um, get a hold of the Huya dream in okay. a bigger way. Right. It really showed me what, what it meant for, for me and for our life. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. Prophetic Imagination had a huge impact on me. I've been wanting to read the land um, for ages. How did you hear about this book? Do you know what's funny? I found, I, I used to journal a lot as a kid, and, and in an old journal um, written like when I was 16 or 17, I actually have a quote from the land. Oh, which no I, way. Yeah, I stumbled across recently. So that would have been the first time I heard about it, but I think I, it was a quote that I found in a Winky Prattney book called Healing the Land. Um, oh, yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. Which was a great book, but I didn't quote Winky. I quoted, <laughs> I quoted him quoting Walter Brueggemann okay. from this book, The Land. So that would have been the first time I heard about it. Was um, oh, I didn't know that. It was. But then I just, I don't know. I was a fan of Walter Brueggemann, and I saw the title, and the title alone made me go, hmm, that's interesting. All right. Well, what, tell, us, some, tell us something about this book and why <clears throat> we should read it. Well, if you can get a hold of it, and if you, now listen, Walter Brueggemann is an Old Testament theologian, first okay. of all. Right. Um, so I might be geeking out here a little bit. Um, I kind of like, I like, um, I like theology. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah. I, and I, and I really, I enjoy digging into the meaning of the Old Testament and that sort of stuff. So Walter Brueggemann is walking us through the significance of land 
to the people of Israel, but more than that, it's a bigger picture story. Picture story. I mean, he makes really bold statements like, um, you know, I'm not quoting exactly here, but the but basically the whole story of God is about God and His relationship with people and land. Right. And he he actually sees he sees this interconnectedness between how God relates to us as people and how he relates to the land and how you can't separate land out of that picture. And, um, and, and basically he takes that idea and unpacks it, the whole book show using the story of, of the Israelites from, from, from Abraham through to their time in Egypt and then Exodus and their 40 years in the desert. And then finally into the promised land to show how, how they related um, first as being, you know, enslaved people, landless people, and then landless within the wilderness for right. so long. But landless was the sense of promise um, because God is always, his, he's, he longs to get us home. Right. But, but I guess the big theme of it is that he longs to land us, to give us, a, a, root us and connect us to our home. Us as in human. As in, as in human. I mean, he's using yeah, the story of the Israelites yeah. to show how he right. does this. Right. But really, the bigger story is that, that God is, is all about connecting us to land. To land. To, right. Because land is what holds memory. Land is what holds story. Huh. Um, so... He makes a distinction early on in the book between the difference between place and space. Okay. And he says as a society, this really resonated with me, um, that as a culture, we, we kind of gear our lives around having space, meaning we need, we, like even our, um, even our days off and how we, how we think about freedom is all about having space from work or space from people or space to do what we want to do. Okay. Space. Right. Right. Having the the freedom to do whatever we want to do whenever we want to do it. Okay, right. so that's one idea: space. Okay. And then he talks he talks about that in contrast to place. Place being something that we are an actual physical location, turf, right. ground, right. land that you can put your hand on. Right. Right. But but more than just physical turf, also what that physical turf represents. Okay. The things that have happened in that I'll place. So um, I moved around a lot as a kid, so I feel the longing for that particularly. But right. I cling to that. So if I go back to places that I lived as a kid, and you know you, that that feeling when you go you go back to a familiar old place, and it's you, it's your memory yeah, yeah. that comes alive, yeah, right? Yeah. Right, right? You remember something that happened right. on that hill, or happened in that place, or happened with those trees, or happened in that landscape. I'm I actually, um, because I've moved, you know, I moved around a lot, even in the United States, I've become really aware of like when I go home and visit California versus when I go home to visit Hawaii or Texas, that the light looks different in those places. Right, right. And the way that the light looks on the land brings back certain memories. Okay. The way the smell is in those places. Okay. And it's a part of my identity. Yes. Right. It's a part of all of our identity, how we connect to physical location um, or are disconnected from physical location yeah. says a lot about who we are. And so the, un- so one of the underlying things that Walter Brueggemann's talking about through the whole book is not just, not just looking back at history, but how this relates to us as people in the here and now and how we actually as society, as, as people 
we're longing for that connection. Right. We're longing for home. It, it's like, I want to buy a home. We haven't bought a home yet, right? But it's not that I want to just get on the property market. What right. I really want, the, the deeper thing, is that I want that, I want home. Right, right. And home is a little bit harder to put your finger on exactly because right. it involves, it's, it's, it's identity, it's place, it's memory, it's right. purpose. Okay. And uh, what Walter Brueggemann's talking about the whole time, it's gift. So he's he makes okay, so he makes a distinction between grasping and 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 getting land or getting place by grasping for it by, by making gun, it happening guns, by bombs, guns swords. by by colonialism by or a treaty. Mm. <laughs> Sorry. Well, there's another topic. We'll talk about that later. He <laughs> makes a distinction between that sort of getting of land uh, and the sort of getting of land that comes by gift. Okay. So if you so can, what, what does that mean? Well, so if you can think of it kind of on a spectrum of like being a landless people, yes. completely kind of, you, you don't have any connection to your history. I mean, you think about refugees, right? Like landless in term, like, like literally landless, right. they don't have land, but also like what's stripped of them in terms of cultural identity, personal identity, connection to who they are, right. lost stories, lost culture. Right. In some cases, lost language, the lostness that comes. Yeah. Okay, so land. So when I say landless, think of it as like the physical landness, but also the the metaphorical landlessness. Yeah. Right. right. Okay. So if you think of it as spectrum, you got landless, and then you have. There's a distinction between being completely landless though and being landless with promise. Okay. So the people of Israel move from being landless to being landless people that had a God promising them land. Okay. So, so their time of 40 years in the wilderness, they, they were landless, but they were with their God. And that 40 years developed a way of being in them in a way of an, an identity that, that basically created a very enduring trust in God. Right. It was like this tension of like, we don't have it yet, but we will have it. And how right. long is that going to be? And all the things that worked out within them. Basically, it looks as though God was was creating in this people um, lessons in their history, in their memory. I think I'm wondering if this is what it took a whole generation to do. It wasn't just a slap on the wrist and you naughty people, you can't get into the promised land yet. <laughs> but but really, he was shaping something in their history that it, they can't escape from, even to this day. They can't escape from the lessons that they learned in the wilderness. And that's right. Okay. Right? Okay. And, and, the, and the big lesson is, is that God is the one who gives land. Hmm. And you can either... And so when they're standing on the Jordan, right. going into right. the Jordan, they, there's this long... Brugman talks about how if you read in Deuteronomy, there's this long pause, like hmm. in the story. And he reckons the long pause was because there's this excitement, right? Everything's changing. They're about to get land. But there's this long pause because there's this hesitation because everything that they've learned, all of their identity has been built on this this supernatural provision from God, a vulnerability that happened in the wilderness that was actually a beautiful vulnerability, a beautiful closeness that was created with God. The question is, can you go and be landed and still maintain that vulnerability? So if getting back to the spectrum, okay, if you think right. landless, right. landless, when you're when you're desperate and you 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 
you sort of have a closeness. But then when you get into that which has been promised, yeah. do you still maintain that connection, that you, relationship? And the, the big temptation. <laughs> sounds, sounds like me. Well, it sounds like all of us. Like you read it and you go, oh, I understand this. Because the temptation, as soon as you've got whatever you've been longing for, one, you forget how you got it. Right. Your brain moves away from, oh, it was given to me, and somehow I achieved this, or I earned this, or I have a right to this, or right. I got this because I'm a really wonderful person, um, which you might be a wonderful person, no. but, but, but you, try to, you, try to, you try to connect what you've got with something that you've done to get it. Right. Moving it away from home as right. gift as to home as possession. As soon as home becomes, as soon as land becomes possession, it becomes something that you manage and control. Because you have to maintain it, maintain it, and keep it. If you right. right, if you can stay in the mindset that land is gift, you treat it completely different. Huh. So back to the spectrum, we've got right. landless. Because you do have to maintain and keep it, but maintaining and keeping a gift, as opposed to maintaining and keeping a possession that is just yours, yes. selfishly yours solely. You mean? Yeah. There's always a fine line between those. Very fine line. And this, right. so the story the, the story of Israel, so basically the land is looking at the story of Israel from this perspective and moving them from landless to landless with promise in the wilderness. Yeah. And then this big moment where they go from being this wilderness people to actually finally getting their land. And, and then you've got years and years of them trying to work this out. And how, does, how do you stay as landed people with gift? Right. Okay. Not not easy thing to do, no. and if you look if you look through at their story through that perspective, you you you, you realize that well they lost the plot. This is, he, right. and God and and this and God and God actually he kept saying to them, if you do these things right. in this land, right. it'll be your land. So it was that it was actually the gift was conditional. It was conditional on their state of heart, and <laughs> he warned them through the prophets, and he warned them through the prophets, and warned because God was was gave it to Israel and he gave it to them as gift. And if they weren't going to, if they weren't going to keep it as gift, it was going to be right. taken away. Right. So then that leads you to the, to the exile. One of my favorite parts of the book was when Brueggemann talks about, so here they've, they've lost the gift. They've lost it. Yeah. He boots them out of the land Yeah. and the land suffers for this. And it's, but, but here's the thing, but God actually went with Israel into exile Right. Right. So, in a, so in a way, they go into a different type of wilderness experience through that exile. They lose man. it again. Crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. You read it and you go, man, it helps you. Like you see the whole story differently, but I'm also seeing my whole life differently. Right. Okay. Because, because we we all want promise so desperately. We whatever it is, like we're all there's always the next thing that we're longing for, that we're believing for, that we're hoping for, and from a Christian perspective, that we have faith for. And we're just always seeing that as the end result. But actually the harder, the bigger question is, can I receive what God has for me as gift and keep it as gift? Or will I do what I do best, which is as soon as I get what I want, start managing it and controlling it and using it not to bless other people around me, but to just make myself more right. comfortable. Okay. Okay. Because we all just at the end of the day, we actually just all want to be really comfortable. <laughs> we just kind of do, you know? So back to the spectrum. I just want to finish the spectrum thing. So if you think landless yep. to landless, landless with, with promise, promise to landed with promise yep. and then just to landed. 
landed is when you've moved past, it's not landed with promise and gift anymore. You just, you're just, you've, you've left God out of it and you are just, you are the landowner, you own everything. You've got everything that you need, but none of it is gift anymore. None of it. You don't feel so it as gift anymore. So the process of the book going through those steps? Kind of. Right. And I think, but it also just shows that it ebbs and flows. It's yeah, not okay. like, and, but the, but it's sort of like that those middle two, both landless with promise and landed with promise are the sweet spot. Right. Probably ultimately the real, the real sweet spot is landed with promise. Right. 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 That's right. what we're. That's what we're hoping, that's what we're for, hoping for. Having a sense <laughs> that's of what place, we're hoping for. Belonging. But actually, you have to. Be, but but being. But if. But if. But from reading this, I would much rather be landless than landed, because because in that landlessness, there's always that hope of God being able to do something with your life and your heart. It's very right. hard for landed people to be to to grasp basically it's a landed person has to for go, a camel to go through the eye pretty much the, i mean once you get to be landed and you think that you are not only you're rich but you're rich because <laughs> yeah. you got it that way and it's yours to maintain right. kind of your only hope at that point is to be thrown into exile again Ooh. now thank goodness the cool thing about this book and what it says about god is that god always goes with us to exile well right. i don't know if he always does but he did with the israelites and right. he does with his promise you know right. but so that's so, kind of the big that's book. that's a pretty There's so big, much yeah. to talk about okay. well why don't you uh, why don't you read us a quote or two like that you want to okay have a little talk about okay a quote or two so here i'll read i'll read you this let's see now the thing about reading this book uh, it took Aaron months right it did take me months and part of it is because the quotes the, the book is so dense Brueggemann is not he he's not an easy flowing writer well he's an difficult to read in that i don't think he's overly academic but he's just so punchy he's not overly academic you don't think i don't think he's that academic <laughs> oh maybe he is yeah okay he's, he is but, but the thing about brugman is he's academic and he's punchy like well he's maybe that's what i mean he's not dry yeah, yeah he's not dry and, yeah, and but it's but it's saying that it's not an easy read so it, it's one of those well things. it's a slow burning yeah, yeah. read because yeah. you you don't you can't just race through it because he says really bold things you okay. know um so here's one talking about the term land it says a symbolic sense of the term meaning land affirms that land is never simply physical dirt but is always physical dirt freighted with social meanings derived from historical experience okay you've kind of talked about that so that's that's the quote yeah sorry that's what i've I've talked about so land is symbol of um it's never simply physical dirt, but it's right, always okay. physical dirt freighted with social meanings right. derived from historical experience. Right. Right. 
And then in a few paragraphs on is where he says, Lan- this is this was like, come on, like Brueggemann doesn't hold back. He, he, he's very bold with what he thinks. Land is a central, if not the central theme of biblical faith. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay. He says that. Say that again. Land is... Is central, if not the central theme of biblical faith. Land is the central theme I know, of I, biblical faith. I read that. And Ooh, he says that on page what? three of the book. Not... Not Jesus? <laughs> well, uh, yeah, what is, because we go, well, biblical faith, the central thing. Well, it's got to be God, right? So what does he mean by land is the central thing? Well, you have to read the book because that's page three. <laughs> you, know, you have to and read I, oh, that's page three. That was page three. And I read, I was like, oh, this is going to be a bit of a doozy because I get excited when I read statements like that because I thought, well, this is an author that has, has formed a strong opinion for a reason. Like he's got a strong I don't think he's right. just saying that. I mean, so I mean what, have you already shared what you have shared? Is that the reason for that? Why he says that? That's, that's or, yeah, that's part of. I, well, there, I think there's a lot of different reasons. As as human, I mean, if you just even just look at the biblical story of us coming out of land, like being created out of land, for right. for one, you can't separate what it means to be human from physical dirt. Right. Right. I mean, even right. if you're not a Christian, like take out the Bible, say that you don't, that, that, just right. from a scientific perspective, what your mother ate when she was pregnant with you right. produced who you are. So if you think of it that way, that, that landscape, the food that came from the right. landscape that is in shapes you, shaped you. you. Right. right. It, it shapes you. It, it's, we are shaped by... So land is a central theme of the Bible because land is the central theme of what it means to be human. That's one of the reasons. Right, right. That, I would say that that's one. Right. But it's also because he says that, that land is what stores our memory. Yeah, okay, yep. And our history yep. and our sense of place. So God doesn't mm-hmm. just, you know, and this is big theology for, I guess, maybe a lot of us that have grown up in a church where, where the emphasis is so much on just our spiritual connection with God kind of, and that anything kind of physical or land is kind of secondary to this. Brueggemann really spins that around completely. And, and, and what he's talking about is a very grounded faith, a very grounded reality. Okay. It's God actually meeting us in a very physical way through physical land and experience and memory right. and history. And you can't, so, I mean, we haven't even talked about what this, how this connects with who you come home, but I'm sure you can yes, yeah, think yeah, about what this yeah. means for New Zealand. Yes. He's an American writing this to an American audience, so he, he drops a few little, little bombs, little word bombs on, you know, <laughs> of, of how this might relate to America being a new country and still sorting out its identity right. and its landlessness and learning right. to what it means to be landed in the United States even, what does that mean huh. for a bunch of immigrant people who are actually, were good on space, but not very good on place. Huh. Interesting. Very interesting. interesting. So as an American reading, I found that some of that, some of those comments really, really but, I helpful. I mean, that, you know, I mean, I think, I mean, it's, it's not, it's not an absolute, but in a sense, space in regards to Aotearoa is essentially what, our, our life as New Zealanders live on the space of this land, whereas the place of this land, I mean, by experience, is, is, is felt very, very deeply 
by by Maori communities, right? Yes. Like an, like a like, and when I say when I say place in a New Zealand context, I mean like an I mean a naming, I mean a I mean a singing of, yeah. I mean a, a like a like a, a deep relationship on a community level, not just on a personal level, yeah, because. Many New Zealanders have per- deep personal a sense of place in New Zealand, but the social, the fabric structure of a Māori community would relate to the land as place. Yes. Right. Yes, it would. And and I, but I would say that there is a hunger across the board in New Zealand for that place, mm. and even I mean, Pākehā in New Zealand, there there's a long, a deep longing. Yeah. For place and an identity, yeah. and I think yeah. that some that what what Brueggemann's talking about yeah. for for Christians in New Zealand who are longing for this, this actually, from a faith perspective, actually just it's just gonna it's just gonna it's gonna help all the more yeah. because it's gonna connect the dots between culturally yeah. what we're wrestling with and what God's always trying to do all the time, which is to 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 connect us to the places that we are. Yeah, uh, just I, I just wanna I just wanna clarify this here too because I I, I don't want to be absolutist in what we're talking about here because I know, you know I know fifth generation farmers for an example yeah they and they have they have a, they have a sense of of place but uh, yeah in the landscape of New Zealand but but. Those farmers and their kids, and not just farmers, but most New Zealanders, they're, they, they, as a starting reference point, when you, you introduce yourself to someone, yeah. you don't name the place and the mountains and the rivers yeah. uh, and how you even got to those mountains and rivers. Essentially, like on, on a surface level, when a, when a New Zealander introduces who they are from this, it's not, it's not even talking about the space, it's talking about what you do on the space. Right, yeah. your identity comes from what happens on the space, yeah. whereas from an indigenous view, no, it's it's actually your identity. You speak about the place, yeah. actually first. So, uh, you know, again, I just want to say when I, I, I don't want to be I don't want to be absolutist to yeah. say one New Zealander doesn't see this through a sense of place because to a degree we all do, but from a community and from a social fabric. I think indigenous Israel, I think indigenous New Zealand, I think indigenous cultures, there is a sense of place first. Yeah. You know, yeah. Well, I mean, I notice it more. That's primary. I mean, just kind of very, I don't know, very concrete example is now that I know a bit more Tereo, when I see place names, when I'm driving around, see just even street signs and in, in, in Maori, um, the, those, the, I, I can always I always wonder what the story is behind right. the name because right. I can understand now that it's it's not just a name you know we we normally Pakia we normally name it after um, a famous person in the area or something which is fine but right. you, but but it's um, it's just kind of individuals that have done something and sometimes very dislocated from that actual place I mean I mean I grew up in a you know, part of America that every second thing is named Jefferson after Thomas Jefferson, you know, <laughs> hey, hey, which is a name. great name, which I is a great name. Whoa, um, that was quite loud. <laughs> <laughs> but, but it doesn't tell the story. It, it, the contrast is it doesn't tell a story of what happened on that mountain or on that street. It's like, a, it's honoring of a, a famous person. Whereas the, an indigenous way of naming places seems to be a lot more, it's just basic. Just it's just saying what the history is in right. name. Right. So it's um, 
yeah, it's more connected. Should I give you another quote? Oh, give us another quote. Yeah. Okay. One, one, one more quote here. Um, so one of the exciting, so most of this book is, is all about the, the Old Testament and, um, you know, Israel and everything that goes on the land. And then towards the end, Brueggemann does pull it into the New Testament. Oh, hey, what is this? Like, what is, what, what is the land theme, if anything, uh, in the New yes, Testament? Yes. Which is very interesting. And I feel like I need to read it, you know, good 20 more times to really get my head around it. Let me just read you a quote. Okay. 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 In such a frame of reference, speaking of the frame of reference of land, okay. In such a frame of reference, crucifixion may be understood as a call to leave the old land and to give up power and embrace the risk of powerlessness and turflessness. Resurrection is the gift of power to the powerless and the invitation to the dispossessed to enter new power freedom and life that is quote unquote turf um what does that mean (laughs) (laughs) so unpack that for us oh golly so building on what he believes that land is central to biblical faith across the board to jesus he says even though that the his argument is even though um, in the New Testament, there's not a lot of um, overt talking about land and promised land. He says that these are these are people that um, that is their story, that is their backstory. So it, everything is built upon this idea of land about about being a people who were taken from nothing through the wilderness, made into something, given something. They were not faithful in with that gift, so they lost it through exile. But then, but God went with them in that exile, and then slowly being is restoring that back to them. Right. Okay, and then Jesus appears. Right. Okay, so Jesus comes in that context of this of this wrestle of a whole people right. of, who are wrestling for their land, who are still wrestling, who are still wrestling, who had the promise or who had the gift, who who had the place, right. and who now in the time of Jesus have it again. Kind of, okay. but in this in-between place. So it helps you. So so knowing that backstory in that light also helps you read the story of Jesus in a different way, in the, in, through the lens of land, through people who are still desperate to fully be at home in their own land, who are fighting as hard as they know how to maintain that. Yeah. Okay. So just, just, just even on that level, if you just go through and read the gospel and read what Jesus says with that mindset, you can see why the, the Pharisees, well, the Pharisees and Sadducees from different reasons, but you, you see why the Sadducees, you know, those who are in Herod and those who are the maintainers okay. of the land and the status the quo. The Sadducees who, were the rich ones, the ones with power. They were the ones with power, right? And you've got Herod who is the acting kind of, king the puppet king of the time but all of this is is propped up for a people to try to maintain and keep a handle on the promise right 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 they're trying to jesus well, the change is a bad thing right well but, no it's i'm not but it's, oh, i guess it's, it's going it's, back to that thing of landed and but without the being connected to the one who gives the promise. Yeah. So yeah. I, I wouldn't say it's bad. It's human yeah, yeah, nature. Yeah, yeah, it's what yeah. we're going to long for. But but yeah. Jesus comes in and is saying things like, "This is the temple is going to be destroyed in three days and then resurrected." He's and it, that's that's not a very safe thing to say in an in an environment 
where there's so even the people that are hoping in Jesus himself are okay. hoping for they're not just they're not just hoping for an airy fairy spiritual something right they're still hoping for actual physical turf right they right. they want someone right. to come in and redeem them they want to just be at home right they just right. want to really be at home so here's this so here's Jesus with all this big promise and all this big stuff and everybody's putting their hope in him he's he's yeah. the answer not just so that we get to heaven someday, right. but so that we can actually have physical turf. Oh, right, right. Oh, right. So, right. Okay. He's, he, get, he's think, answered, to, like, we can finally come home you again. You can be, like, Jesus is the door, the way, you, uh, uh, on, I'm interpreting what you're saying and what I think Brueggemann's saying, the way, the way of Christ is the way to actually be landed. Yeah. Right. But it's a landed that is Nothing but gift. Right. Nothing but grace. Right. No grasping. It's not one that is controlling or manipulating. It's it's this enduring trust that has been developed within the culture and right. people of Israel. And he's tapping into that and saying, so here's this great hope, this great leader, this great right. promise. Not just a spiritual promise, but a promise for home in their physical place. Right. Their Messiah who's supposed to be restoring Israel to them fully and completely. Okay. Right. And so, so in this frame of reference, let me read it again. Crucifixion may be understood as a call to leave the old land. Right. Right. Okay? It's a call so crucifixion again. Crucifixion is a way to lay down the grasping. Yeah. Right. To go in the cross. Yeah. My ability to get hold of home of land, albeit through through guns, albeit yep. through capitalism, yep, go, like yep, government, what what whatever, like like essentially, let's just say, there's a tired people, tired, like there's a damn tired. Our land has been gone, and we've done x amount of things to try and maintain it, and we're this um, close to it. You're standing right, right in front right, of me, right? And you're, <laughs> no, you're not even right, and you're even standing on the land, even though you can't. So what he's saying is... And then he dies. Let, let it go. Let it go. Let it go. Because he's shown the way to get it. Yeah. Huh. And now, and, and this, and, and for... You mean, you mean it's not about me going to heaven? Well... <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. It Take is. a cheek. Yes, is. of course. But it's also about but turf. So- it's wow. about here and now, and for a people. So we can, we wow. look back. We look back two thousand years and go, "Oh, that's all nice and well." And da 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 da. But you got to feel it and go. Right. He is. He is because the answer of, in that right. moment, and he chooses to walk away from that kingship that was being offered and whatever, and walk a different way, and and lay it down. And then he's. Then it goes on to say, "Resurrection is the gift of power to the powerless." And the invitation to the dispossessed to enter new power, freedom, and life that is turf. Man, if... Okay, what does that mean then for... um, Let's just say to be very, very shallow and simple. Should people be working on treaty claims? Should Christians be working on treaty claims? Should should government be working on... uh, because you're saying that the physical land doesn't matter. No, no, but I'm saying if what the way is the way just to go to church and respond to the front of the altar call or fall on your knees on your 
in front of your wahoro in the atea and give you, you know, and say, God, what's up? You know, like, uh, like I know that's the thing, but then what do you do once you get off your knees? Yeah. Well, and I th- think I, I carried that question with me the whole time I read. And I, it was funny. I kept like my brain kept switching between what would be the response for Pakia New Zealand according to what this is saying, right. and what would be the response from Māori New Zealand according to what this is saying? Right. I think... Ooh, I think. Pray tell your answer. Well, answers. I don't know the answer. <laughs> I really don't. But right. I would go for... From the from the, from the the story of the Māori history and perspective of being ones. I, I think you can read this book through a Māori perspective and very much identify with the people of Israel. Right. Which Māori traditionally have. Very much identify yeah. with it because they, they know it, okay? Um, and so so you can see, but then you can also go, but, but, even, but even for the people of Israel, they became landed and they became, and they had their stuff together and then, but they, but they grasp it. So I think any, per, it, it doesn't matter the color of your skin or your culture. This is a human condition that we will, that we all want to be at home and grounded right. and we will all, given the opportunity, right. grasp and manage it. Right. So let's just say that it's possible, so that it's, a treaty claim, a treaty claim, it's, it's how you do it in your heart. Right, are, are, right, it's, right. are you taking, are, are you, are you doing this as landed promised people as right, gift right. to bless, to, to, right. to actually give life, especially to the poor, right. especially to the landless, right. because landed people, it should always be a route giving more giving home to the landless right. it should be pulling people into that not right. excluding people not from excluding that. people from that right wow so essentially that quote and what Brueggemann is saying of the work of Christ on the cross is that he is declaring a way out and not just a way out but also a destruction of to powers that think they can hold on to land yeah. and abuse it and use it for selfish gain Woo. So one of the specific one of the so the cross sorry the cross of Christ is relevant to land issues yes. for Te Ao Māori yes the cross of Christ is relevant for the story of Israel today the yes. cross of Christ is relevant for Palestinians absolutely the cr- cross of Christ is relevant for First Nations in the United States of America. Yeah, and for and for those of colonial right descent, absolutely for good old American me who in my with Americans colonizing in our own way around the world right now. I also read it through that lens and go, hold on here, what does this mean for me, and how do I? So on one hand, uh, I go, I'm landless, right? I don't own any land. I've never uh, owned a home. I can totally relate from all my moving around. I can completely relate to what it feels like to be landless because I am. Wow. In a very physical way, I'm landless. On another side, being American, white, privileged, connected, well, white, You're brown. Tan, I'm yeah. tan. I'm not totally white. But, you know, I'm, I'm, a, a, very, I'm a very strong <laughs> European heritage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You hear what I mean? <laughs> from that side, from a cultural perspective of my worldview of how I've been raised, right. I'm very landed. Right. I'm very privileged. Yes. Right? And so I have, I can feel the tension on from both sides and, and, and I can feel different types of responses. Right. Wow. But but ultimately, is am I going to live my life um, 
like developing an enduring trust in who God is. And like, I mean, be, just read the Beatitudes again right. in light of this. Right, yes. Blessed are the meek, they will inherit the earth. Okay. Right? Yeah. Read the Beatitudes, right. just end the story. You read the Beatitudes <laughs> okay. in light right. of, and, and ask yourself the question, if land, is essential, if, if land is a central theme or the central theme of biblical faith. Oof, come on. If it You're is. It. Come on. Then what does that? What, then right. what are the what are the beatitudes actually talking about? Okay. Wow, it's about giving people truly home, true home, true, yeah. true place, with hearts that are humble. Yeah, hearts that are kind, generous. Hearts that aren't rude or boastful or proud. Mm-hmm. Um, hearts that aren't selfish. Hearts that are hospitable, yeah. hearts that are generous and sharing, yeah. yet at the same time maintain the symbol of identity to which the people have put into that landscape. Holler. And I feel like there's so many more things. I haven't even talked about what I would have talked about with Sabbath and what Sabbath means yeah, yeah, for land, right, you know, okay. you know, not just a little day off. Well, hey, but, you guys can go on that, read read for that yourself. But yeah, look, well, I thought this was going to be about like 15 minutes, Sorry, but we've gone 45. Now, this is really Oh, good. we haven't even done your book no, yet. We'll do, we'll do we'll do my book in another podcast. So okay. let's just finish this one for this one. Okay, so, sweet. Uh, uh, thanks. That was um, Walter Brueggemann, uh, The Land. Uh, published by Fortress Press, written in 1977, and is relevant today. Extremely relevant today. So, uh, kia ora, uh, Matsua Walter Brueggemann, and uh, kia ora, Erin. Thanks for you guys. Thanks, babe. Thanks, babe. Okay, kia ora. <laughs>